Um, all right, so we've been doing polar opposites. We did the first three weeks kind of looking at our heart, and then the last two weeks we've been looking at how we can engage. So, you know, the general idea is that we're living in this divisive society, but we've been trying to take some of the principles of that and also apply it to our lives, like marriages and roommates and friendships and how we can work on, you know, how can we, we can work on dealing with divisiveness in those relationships as well as uh, in our culture. And so hopefully it's been helpful for you. I liked Gino's talk last week. I thought that was really um, insightful, encouraging, and challenging. And so this week we're going to wrap it up, but I want to start with a game. Okay. So what, what was the point of that game? What was the point of that game? Anybody? Kids? Anybody? What was the point of the game? What was the moral of the story? Use the right tool. I was going to say, don't be a tool. Use the right tool. That was going to be my tagline for tonight, but I decided to be a little bit more positive. So the tagline for tonight is this. Prayer shouldn't be the last tool you try. It should be the first one you trust. All right? Prayer shouldn't be the last tool you try. And so so often in my life, and see if you're like me at all, um, in, in your life, prayer is not the first thing you go to. And oftentimes, it ends up being way down the line. It's not first, it's not second, it's not third. And it ends up being, you know, like, what, what, is, that, what is that prayer that's a Catholic prayer, but also became known as the last-ditch effort in football? A Hail Mary. Isn't that weird? Is your prayer, is my prayer, are the last-ditch effort that rarely works, that we chuck up in hope at the end of the game? And you know as a sports fan that that only occasionally works. Is that how we think of prayer? Is prayer our Hail Maria, Maria <laughs> or not? So we want to talk about prayer today, right? So um, as followers of Jesus, prayer should be central to our faith. It should be at the, at the middle, at the center, at the heart of who we are, of what we believe, of how we practice our faith. And so just to, we're going to just do a brief like look through Scripture. As people got into hard times in Scripture, they turned to prayer. You have the story of Esther. So in the Old Testament, you have the story of Esther, who's in this moment where she needs to go before the king and she could lose her life. And what does she do? She calls the nation to a time of prayer and fasting. You have Daniel, who he finds out that all of the wise men and all of his friends are all going to be killed if someone doesn't not only interpret the dream, but come up with the dream. They got to tell the king what his dream was and then interpret it. And what does he do? He goes to prayer. You have Jesus facing the cross. What does he do? He goes to prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. You have the disciples after the resurrection. What do they do? They go into the upper room for prayer, for weeks of prayer and waiting. Peter gets arrested. He's in jail. And the disciples, the church, they don't Hire lawyers. I'm not saying that you shouldn't hire lawyers as a Christian. But I'm just saying in that time, what did they do? They stepped into prayer. Prayer was the thing, is the thing. In fact, the Bible tells us if you're anxious, what do you do? You pray. If you're suffering, you pray. If you sin, you pray for each other. If you need wisdom, you pray. If you're sick, you pray for each other. How often should we pray? At all times. Okay, for how long? Without ending. For whom? For all people. Go look all these up. Where? In every place. That's how often we should pray. It's just all through the Bible. In fact, I have more. If you look at Paul's writings, in almost every letter, he says this. Look, 
This is just a few of the letters. He starts off his letters in the first chapter, in my prayers at all times, I remember you. First Corinthians, that was to Romans. First Corinthians, I always thank God for you, all right? In Ephesians, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. To the Colossians, we always thank God. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. To the Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, right? Again, we are always to thank God for you. Second Timothy, I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Philemon, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers. What do you think Paul does a lot of? I mean, just honestly, he prays. He's got churches that he started all over, you know, all over his world that he lived in and and then he had to leave them, and so he prayed for them. Think about that. I wonder how much time Paul prayed every day, every week, every month, every year. I wonder how much time he spent crying out for the Colossians and the Ephesians and the Thessalonians and the Galatians and the Romans, for Timothy. There's multiple times where he talks about individual people that he's praying for. Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He says to us as a command, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, that we should be alert, we should be awake, we should be attentive to the needs of prayer and always keep on praying for all God's people. See, guys, prayer should not, whoops, sorry. Prayer should not be our last ditch effort. It should be the first tool that we trust. It should be the first thing that we turn to. In fact, if you look at just People that would be looked up to in faith. These are things that they said about prayer. Mother Teresa, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Billy Graham said, the kit to get nations back on their feet, we must get down on our knees. And I put this one out this week, and I think this is the key for tonight. Is prayer your steering wheel? or your spare tire? Is prayer what you look to first or what we go to second? See, prayer shouldn't be our, the last tool that we use. It should be the first one that we trust. We've got, we've got tools. Like if you're like me, I have so many tools in my shed. That's dangerous. And, and I just went down and took a couple tools out and I have more tools than I need, but I rarely have the right tool for the job. Is anyone else like that? I mean, fortunately, Josh or Krista do, and so I just call them. But I, you know, I, I needed a tree cut down. I have so many tools, and I could have gone out with this huge, heavy hammer, and I could have whacked at that tree. And actually, a couple of them would have fallen down because they were pretty dead. But I needed a chainsaw, and so I needed to get the right tool, right? I had to mow the lawn this weekend, I could have tried to move along with this. I could have taped like knives or razor blades and you know, it's ridiculous. But this is what I try to do in my life. I come into a hard time. I get into a difficult situation and you know what I do instead of praying? I talk. Yeah, it's me mowing the lawn. That's probably what it sounds like when I talk to you too, right? Instead of going to God and praying, I talk. I talk, I talk, I talk. Or I reason. I try to figure it out. I think about it. I obsessively think about the problem, the issue, the, the, the relational issue. And I think, and I think, and I think, and I think, and it's, and God's saying, 
I would call you to pray. Your first tool you pick up. I'm belaboring this point, right? We painted, well, not we. Mandy painted our whole house during pandemic. Mandy did not paint with this. The first tool she reached for when she knew she had to, had to paint was a paintbrush and a roller because she's not an idiot, right? She didn't go get, you know, this thing, which is one of my favorite tools, which is a, this really cool clamp. I love this guy. He does great for the right jobs, but he, he, this would be a terrible thing to paint with, right? You'd be like, you know, it w- wouldn't work. And, so, and yet so often in my life, you know what I do when I get into a place where I really should be praying? I distract myself. Do you ever do that? Like I'm, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm frustrated, I'm confused. You know what I'll do? I'll distract myself. I'll distract myself with Netflix. Cobra Kai. Anybody else watching that? Just Josh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Um, we distract ourselves with sports. We distract ourselves with social media. I mean, sometimes we go to social media. Do you ever, do you ever just like open up the Facebook app or whatever, Twitter, or, and, and you just like... Do you ever open up your news app and you don't actually read any articles? You just read the headlines and just like 30 minutes later, you're like, what am I, what, where have I been? You know, like, what am I doing? We, we ignore stuff. You know, instead of praying, we ignore it. And maybe it'll go away. Maybe that pain, that gnawing, deep pain in, in the bottom of my soul will go away. Just, you know, if I leave it alone for a while, maybe that relationship will get better. Maybe my marriage will get better if I just ignore it. You know, maybe my kids will stop doing that thing that I think is probably wrong, but I'm afraid to confront them. So maybe if I ignore it, they'll just like grow. And they'll just like gradually get better without any guidance, you know? Maybe I will wallow. Have you ever done that? You like, you get into a hard time, your relationships are, you know, your marriage is struggling or, or your roommate and you aren't getting along. And so what do you do? You, you just wallow. You just feel bad about it. You just feel bad about yourself. You're just like, man, you just get deeper into it. Maybe you, maybe you eat the wrong stuff at the wrong times, like ice cream at midnight. You know, I'm not saying that from personal experience, but maybe, you know, uh, maybe, maybe here's one that I do. Here's my favorite tool. I'm just going to tell you, this is true. This is why I brought this. So the way that Brad Dunn taught me to fix things was try a hammer first. And then if that doesn't work, call somebody. So no matter what the job, try a hammer first and second. And so my tendency with issues is to try harder. So like if I'm having an argument with Mandy, instead of praying and stepping away and taking some time, I just try harder. I just like push harder and, and figure it out. Like if I'm having, you know, issues with like trying to figure out what to do, like where should our church meet right now? You know, instead of praying, my natural inclination is just to try harder, to call more places, to and I'm not saying those things are wrong. It's just the order. You know, it's always right to use the hammer. You just need to know when to use it, right? If I would just learn to pray first, you know, instead of prayer being the last, see, prayer shouldn't be the last tool you try. It should be the first one that you trust. You should become, you and I should become so used to praying, so comfortable praying, so um immersed in prayer and talking to our loving heavenly father that we routinely pray that it's just what we do that when we get tweaked in a relationship and someone hurts our feelings that we just pray when we hit a problem at work and it's like 
Do we just pray like it becomes reflexive? You know, that we grab the tool, the trusty tool, that one tool that we know will always work, will always do what we need it to do. Now, it's not, it's not going to be the only tool you'll need. But prayer often tells you how to use your other tools. When you go to prayer first, then you can use your reason better. When you go to prayer first, then you can talk about it with a little bit more integrity and character and compassion. And I just think we tend to think of prayer as it's not that powerful. It does, you know why? Because it never works immediately. And I think sometimes we think if I talk about it, I can figure it out immediately. If I think about it, I can figure it out immediately. And so we don't, we, we, we're so um, addicted to immediate solutions and immediate gratification that pray, prayer is a journey. It's an investment. And so it's, it's like it goes against the grain of our culture and who we are and what we want to do. And so we're just like, prayer's too much work. We want the quick fix, quick fix, the get rich quick scheme. And you even see people doing that with faith sometimes, don't you? Like here, you just have to pray this way and you'll get it the way you want it when you want it. And, and prayer's just not like that. Prayer's ambiguous. Prayer's difficult. Prayer takes time. Prayer's mysterious. It's supernatural. I can't put an equation around it. I can't say every time I pray, this happens. And yet, Jesus modeled a life of prayer for us. And the disciples modeled a dependence on prayer. That they said, in order to follow Jesus in this broken world, I must be a person of prayer. And so where is your prayer life right now? I want to just give in the comment section just a, qu a quick opportunity. If you're on online church right now, I want you to just type in, I gave some things that I do instead of praying. Besides prayer, what do you go to instead? So just type that in there if you can. Like, what are your go-tos? Maybe there were ones I said, like talking or reasoning or, you know, distracting. What are the things that you would talk about that you would do instead? So put that here in the comment section. And while you're doing that, we're going to read a verse together today. So, Tonight's teaching, it's so funny that Jillian talked about simplicity because tonight's teaching is simple. It's, it's, this is it. It's instead of everything else, could we learn to pray first? And I want to look at this, this scripture. This is in Luke 11. Jesus is talking. And I want, let's just talk about this real quick. Let's read this together. We're not going to rush through it. So the scripture says, Jesus said to them, suppose you had a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. So the Jewish custom there would have been if someone comes asking for some sort of hospitality gift, you need to really do that, okay? The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says this, I tell you, even though you will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? We have Father in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask him. If I were to sum up this message, Jesus is saying, pray boldly, shameless audacity, pray boldly because God loves you. I think that's the, the summary of that whole story there. Pray boldly, pray with shameless audacity. Ask much and ask often because I love you. You know, um, my kids growing up, I have this thing where I don't buy them the stuff in the grocery store that's at the checkout register. You know what I'm talking about? Because I just feel like it's a trap. And they know that, like, when they're younger, when the kids are younger, they know that, like, your kids by that time, if you're shopping with kids, they are done. And then they just put candy and gum and chocolate and Gatorade right there. And I'm sure they've jacked the prices up. I'm sure you could find the same thing somewhere else in the store for, like, half price. But there they know they've got you. And so, I, you know, I had this thing, like, where my kids will still ask me. And I don't, I don't get mad at them because they ask me. And I'm like... Eden, that is unbelievable. You're a terrible child. How dare you ask me for gum? But I will say, no. <laughs> I'll say, look, I, we're not going to buy this because that's what they want us to do. You know, stick it to the man. I'll say, we have gum at home. We have tons of candy at home. And, and I, I'm not saying that's how God always is, but I just feel like, like God's approachable. Like if, if my relationship with, with my kids was such they were afraid to ask me for those things, even those little things, I would be so hurt to know that my kids thought I didn't want to hear those requests. I want to hear those requests. I want them to ask me even for things that I already know I'm going to say no for. I want to have that relationship. And I'm evil. That's what it says there. If you being evil, I am. I try my best to be a good father, but compared to God, I'm evil. I'm selfish. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. And God is never any of those things. And he's saying, ask me with boldness. So listen, let prayer become the first tool that we trust. Instead of it being the last thing, let it become the first tool we trust. Ask with boldness and keep on asking. Asking God for stuff isn't selfish. It's how he built the system. He wants us to pray. He wants us to learn to depend on him. He wants us to have a relationship that's built on conversation with him. So polar opposites. Let's wrap it in to this teaching series, and then we're going to close with a song. When you get hit by these conversations, these issues, we just need to start praying. If you're really, really concerned about Name it, any issue right now with all the things that are going to be coming up in the election cycle and all the ways that we think this election is the most important election ever, you know, which people pretty much say all the, at every election, right? Let's put it in context. But it is important, and a lot of the issues are important. Pray. Honestly, listen, your prayers about any of the issues should be our first step before we talk about them. And I'm speaking to myself just as much. It's so much easier for me to talk about it, to tell you what I think, to try to convince you that I'm right, than it is for me to pray and spend time allowing God to look at my heart and allowing God to give me the right words to say. In, in your, in, with your relationships, like with your roommate, if your roommate is just driving you crazy, rather than like going at them, pray. Commit it to prayer. What if you spent a week praying for your roommate before you confronted them? You know, in your marriage, we're so quick to tell our spouses what they need to do differently. But what if we spent that time in prayer? Like, 
praying for our spouse, not that they would change in the way we want them to change, praying for them. Um, I heard a teaching today, and the guy said one of the greatest ways to start uh, seeing the Holy Spirit work in your life is to start praying for an enemy. Pick some, I'm not saying that your spouse is your enemy. Maybe sometimes. But pick someone who's difficult for you and start praying for them, and your faith will grow. Pray for God to help you understand others better. If you're just looking at people online or you have a friend that you talk to and you're like, I just don't understand how they can say that, how they can think that, why don't you start praying for them? Why don't you start lifting them up? You know, for the injustice, I'm just going to circle back around to the beginning, for the injustices that we're worried about, like, like racism is an injustice that I think as a church we need to respond to. If we're not responding with prayer along with all the other good things that we need to be doing, then all the other good things we need to be doing aren't going to be filled with the power of God. And no matter how good we are at talking or how many good things we invest in or how many great arguments we make or memes we share or articles we share, if they aren't filled with prayer. Listen, this is, this is maybe not popular, right? I've seen people online say like, you know, when you say we need to pray about it, well, that's just a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. If you view it as a cop-out, then you view prayer as powerless, I don't think Jesus was like in the Garden of Gethsemane thinking, well, this is a cop-out. I'm going to pray. If you're a follower of Jesus, prayer is the tool. It's the weapon. It's the first one. I mean, if you don't think that, then you disagree with Scripture. Prayer is our weapon you know, in fact, in Ephesians 6, where I read that thing, where, where Paul writes to pray on all occasions for all people with all kinds of prayer, before that, he says, we are in a battle. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. Isn't that interesting? It's not against people. It's not against each other. And he calls us to prayer. So in our, in our battle for racism, against, or against racism, how much prayer are we committing? How much prayer am I committing? In your battle for your marriage, where you say, like, well, I just am, I'm fed up. Like, she just never, or he just never, or he won't do this. How much have you prayed? When you think about your friendships that you've written off, how much have you prayed? When you think about how difficult your work is, how much have you prayed for your workplace. I just am asking that question to myself as much as to you because I think that it is, prayer is the most effective tool that we never use. I think prayer is the least used, most powerful weapon in our arsenal. It's like going out and throwing rocks at, 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 you know, in war and you have like a bazooka in your you know, truck or something. I don't know. That's, that analogy fell apart quickly. But Made sense in my head. So prayer shouldn't be the last tool that we try, right? Should be the first one that we trust. And that's it. That's all I've got to say tonight. Because I think that that was what God was putting on my heart. That like all these other things we've talked about are all super, super important. And we need to apply and employ all of them. But if we, if the, if we do not have prayer undergirding them, then we really are, we're like going on very little power. So worship team, let's come up. We're going to do another song. I want this just to stick with you. I want you to go home and, and guess what? Pray about it. Pray about prayer. Pray about your prayer life. Ask God 
Where is my prayer life right now?